Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the Series one by one. There will be no spoilers for future episodes, but we will be discussing details from previous episodes. I'm Harrison, and of the three out of five uh, real-life weddings I've attended so far this year, um, this fictional one is the only one that ended this way. And I'm Jason, and yeah, this episode pretty much did the wedding episode the only way that Buffy could, making it sad. (laughs) Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? Yes, we are watching Buffy Season 6, Episode 16, Hell's Bells. Uh, This is the one where uh, Xander and Anya's wedding day goes awry uh, in a variety of different ways. Um, Both the clashing between uh, Anya's demon friends and Xander's family and a little a little uh, old old uh, what would you mark of Anya's I guess you'd call him out for victim. vengeance victim yeah that makes more sense <laughs> out for vengeance uh, Hell's Bells was written by Rebecca Rand Kirshner and was directed by David Solomon and originally aired on March 5th 2002 mm-hmm. alright and uh, the wedding band if you will Take us away. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? A little bit of a Rotwein, red Ooh, wine. Ooh, yes. Let's see. Get your heart. Cholesterol. You can have a glass a day if you're pregnant. That's okay, I think. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, that might be outdated information. Every time I hear that, or whichever statistic it is, I always, uh, I just hear Elaine Stritch in my head in the episode of 30 Rock where she finds out that Elizabeth Banks is pregnant. And she's like, is she drunk? You know it's only one bottle a day, and that's (laughs) it. Uh, I am drinking a Sprite and vodka. Vodka and Sprite. Um, Actually, um, I think John took the bottle with him, but I actually believe it's a uh, vodka and Seven Up. Okay. Um, because the liquor store down the street does not sell Sprite; they only sell Seven Up, um, which is. Do they just sell Pepsi products? No. Okay. Because they also have—they don't have Pepsi; they have Coke. Okay. It's very strange. Uh, I mean, they, their soda selection is limited, so maybe they just still like pick from one brand of each like type. Mm-hmm. But um, my great grandmother. Uh, and great-grandfather growing up always had 7-Up in their refrigerator. So there's something, like... And I, I, like, I associate that with them. So when we started buying it from this liquor store, I'm just like, oh, is it, like, the early aughts and I met my grandparents' house? Um, on March 5th, 20, uh, 2002, I might have been. Nice, um, uh, nice sense memory you got yeah. there. Um, it's all right. A toast. Toast. Uh, this week's toast is dedicated um, to um, our local bus drivers. Oh, man. Um, so anyone who lives here in Louisville uh, will already know about this. And honestly, it made national news. So you might know about this even not living in Louisville. 
But um, we don't make a lot of good national news. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so we've been dealing in uh, in Louisville, our local school district, Je- uh, Jefferson County Public Schools, JCPS, um, with who I work quite closely <laughs> in my job uh, with teachers. Um, there's been an issue. They've had a severe bus driver shortage that is um, a direct result of defunding of our public schools by our not friends in uh, the GOP. And to combat that, um, the school district tried to implement a staggered school start time across um, the Metro County. Um, A big part of our our problem that we have is that our school district here in Louisville um, is too big. It's, It's a massive school district. The city of Louisville is the county um and it's just it's too it's really too much but it's like really kentucky can have a whole bunch of counties but they gotta like we have we have more counties in the state than we probably should um i believe we have as many as we are like the law of counties like allows and i think if you go we don't have the most number of counties in our state but i think if you go by size we do like, obviously, yeah. places like Texas and California, which are much larger, have more counties than us. But no, we but have like, an obscene number of counties for our size, and yet, somehow, still not enough counties. Yeah. So, um, last week, JCPS went back for their first day of school, and uh, it was disastrous. Um, the and, and, you know, I'm, I'm the blame, a lot of this blame goes to the school board. They, the bus drivers were not prepared and a lot of that they had a lot of that fault lies in the school district I also think they had like an outside company try to optimize the yes. bus schedule and did the exact opposite yes the last child was dropped off at their house at like nearly 10pm it was a fucking shit show um JCPS has been out of school since they literally went back for one day and they've been out since um I think the elementary and middle schools are going back um, on Friday and high schools are going back next week. Hopefully they've figured it out. They've solved the problems. Um, but uh, it's just, you know, it's just a reminder that our teachers and our bus drivers and the people working in these systems are underpaid and undervalued. And, um, and that is by design um, because the conservative politicians are trying to destroy public schooling Um and, you know, that's not to take the blame off of the school district itself for not being as prepared, because I've seen some of the things that they have done um, to get where they were, and it was a fucking shit show. But, um, yeah, here's to the to the bus drivers, though, who are doing their fucking best under awful circumstances. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Cheers. Not to get too political. I mean, I mean, I'm surprised you didn't like say like, "Oh, happy Fourth in- Indictment Day of the former president." Oh, I kind of just tired of it. He just gets indicted like every week now, and people get so excited. And I'm like, I'll I'll celebrate when he's in fucking prison. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I it's yeah. All right, so. 
you opened up the last episode. Um, we were uh, sleep tight mm-hmm. uh, with a just kind of like a general question to me. Okay, and I kind of have a concerning like a huge development for the series. Um, so I'm going to open this up with a huge question to you, okay. or a general question Ooh. concerning a huge development. So. Anya and Xander have been very much in the background this season. I believe I've mentioned it before. Mm-hmm. A lot of the focus is on Buffy and Willow and the direct significant others to them. Uh, and Xander and Anya have just kind of been, you know, there. there. But they've also been, um, not just in this season, but I'd also argue throughout season five as well, um, even like late parts of season four, a symbol of stability mm-hmm. believe it or not it just seems that uh you know it wasn't just Xander it wasn't just Anya it was always Xander and Anya and I mean you know you once you once you have friends that have been together for a while um in your friend group you don't necessarily you start referring to them like oh we're gonna have this and this person over not just this person over yeah. uh so do you think this was a good choice for the show to make concerning the relationship of Xander and Anya? I've been thinking about this all day because <laughs> I knew this was going to be a discussion we were going to have to have. and I'm going to throw it right at you at the beginning. Yeah, no. It, it, yes and no. Um, I don't think the show earned this. Um, I I think... I don't think the show has done enough with Xander and Anya this season to to get, get us to such a drastic place. Um, we've seen some doubts. We've seen some stuff. The biggest one was obviously Once More With Feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's always been like little token moments. Um, which is fine. Like... We were just complaining last week that some of the Wesley stuff could have been sprinkled in a little more. And I feel like they were doing the sprinkling, but there was never escalation of the sprinkles. It's just like, it went from like 10 to 90 all in the course of one episode. Um, And it's really jarring considering we had that scene in the last episode um, with Xander... Um, assuring Anya, you know, that their wedding wasn't the marriage. Um, my other issue with this is that, is the way that it tries to use Xander's, um, abusive family. Um, I think this could have been really powerful and really moving and really meaningful for Xander to grapple with the things that we see him grappling with in this episode if we'd ever actually seen his family before. This is like the first time we've seen members of his family on screen, hasn't yes, it? Yes, we've heard all about them. But it's it's always been like, Xander makes a comical antidote about how awful his family is. And it's just the sort of thing that is frustrating that the show has not engaged more with Xander. Um, and has used it as a bit of a punchline. Um, and then here tries to make it very serious. So... Those are big frustrations I have with this episode. I actually think the episode itself is pretty good. Um, but I don't think that the work was done to get us to this point. However, 
there is one development here that I think is an excellent development and I I think it, it it's even though the show didn't necessarily earn the breakup uh, the idea of Anya becoming a vengeance demon again is an that's great for her character mm-hmm. she has largely existed as a love interest for a secondary character and as much as we love her she's not really gotten her own arc and we've got a very fun episode coming up where we get to dive into that one yeah. that you uh, oh, when, when we did it favorites. when we did our first TomCom appearance Tom Khan, pardon mm-hmm. me. Uh, when we did our first appearance on that, and we each picked out an episode we wanted to discuss, that was the episode that you picked out. Yeah, and um, we get to see kind of the results, the aftermath of this, yeah. and yeah, like it had been. A, I hadn't watched Hell's Bells before I watched the episode for that discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, normal again, right? No, no normal again is next week's that's right. episode. Um, selfless, selfless. Yes, uh, so the fact that we get to, the fact that now I have that renewed context, because mm-hmm. it's my first time seeing Hell's Bells since I did my watch through back in college, and uh, I'm, I'm very excited to watch and discuss that episode again. Yeah. Um, I just think it's great. I, d- I just think it's the right move for Anya to give her more of her own individual depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and like even the, the last Anya-centric episode before this was Triangle, um, which she was shared most of her screen time with Willow, and even that was still mostly centered around their mutual relationships to Xander. Yeah, it failed the Bechtel test. Um, so, <laughs> so like, and yes, obviously Xander and the the you know the this being abandoned at the altar um, is the catalyst for Anya becoming a vengeance demon again. I just think it opens so many doors for interesting places her character can go. Mm-hmm. So while I am frustrated with how we got here, I'm really excited for where we're going. It, it does feel like fairly similar to Sleep Tight in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Is there anything you want to add on to that, or does that not really? We're kind of echoing how I was feeling because, like you said, it did feel like um, there's so much important development for Xander and Anya in this, um, particularly Xander, and the use of his family being like the reason that he and that he doesn't uh, get married. I mean, yeah, it's an important storyline, but it's also, like, something that you just kind of have to assume. Yeah. Um, And they try to... Yeah, and, like, we've had... I feel like the last time they talked about Xander's problematic family that wasn't in relation to the wedding, because we've had, like, the whole, Mm -hmm. oh, Uncle Rory's gonna be like this. Um, It was... I mean, was that uh, amends when... No, it was probably sometime in season four when um, Xander was still living in his parents' basement. No, I think actually it would have been early season five. It would have been whenever he moved out, when he okay. got the apartment. Because I feel like that was part of the catalyst for it. There was like... I'm, I'm, I feel like there was a scene where they're all in Xander's basement and... Buffy they, like can lift something heavier than everybody else. Yeah. Maybe. But they like hear Xander's family like fighting upstairs, and it's like a really uncomfortable moment. But yeah, I think yeah, that's and what... it's but it's 
again, it's it's, it's always something been in the that, background. Yeah, it's something that and it's something that hasn't been touched on, especially this season because they've been relegated to the back. Yeah, and yeah, so I pretty much agree with whatever with everything that you said. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, I'm just your yes man. That's right. Oh, famously. <laughs> All right, so. The episode begins, uh, lightning flashes, we hear thunder and rain, uh, don't get a lot of rain in Sunnydale, I'm trying to remember the last time it rained in Surprise, I'm trying to remember another time it's rained, um, when Dracula came to town it rained. Um, I mean, Surprise and Innocence. Yeah. The famous rain. Yeah. Anything else? No, I mean, there's the snow in Amends. That's true. That's like rain. It's frozen rain. Mm-hmm. Um, but Buffy and Willow look on in horror um, at something horrible. Uh, Willow, in particular, can't take her eyes off the arms. Uh, we get a nice pan out to them looking in the mirror at their bright green bridesmaids' dresses. I'm gonna be real. They're not great. I think I think a little work could be done and they'd be fine. I like the color. I like the color too. Yeah, I, I think the color is nice. I mean, it, you should have had a little bit more de- of the decorations go with it. Um, it didn't yeah. seem like they went with the decoration. There honestly weren't a lot of decorations for the wedding, uh, but I like the color. Um, I can understand that the. I mean, in my very limited knowledge of women's clothing, the actual design of the dress seems a bit much, especially, like, the bottom. Yeah. uh, Around the legs. And, uh, yeah, it was... And, however, I've never been a bridesmaid. (laughs) And I know that uh, there are many frustrations that can be... (laughs) That can come with having to wear the bridesmaid's dress that is chosen by the bride. I... Here's what I would have done with you. I like the color, too. Um, I actually think all of the women, it it complements them really well. Um, I think it complements Amber the best. Uh-huh. Um, but See I was, what happens when you give Tara a beautiful wardrobe. Right? Um, I was even... It even goes... It does... It even looks good on Willow, who green with red hair can, can sometimes wash that person out. But it didn't. It worked well. I would have gotten rid of the sleeves on Willow and Tara, so that there were more like um, Buffy and Dawn. And did Halfrick have sleeves? I don't remember. I don't remember because Halfrick was doing jack shit with her bridesmaids' duties. Um. <laughs> Honestly, I and I said this before. I said during, while we were watching the episode, I was very surprised that Buffy was the maid of honor and not Halfrick. Yeah, um, but. You know, if Halfrick was the maid of honor, then she would have stood out a lot more in not having <laughs> helped with anything. Right. Um, but yeah, I would have gotten rid of the sleeves, and I would have—I wouldn't have gotten rid of all of like the tool at the bottom. But I would—I would have simplified it. It was still had a little something down there, but less, but less. And then I would have just made them a little, just fit them a little better. They in pockets. Pockets, of course. Mm-hmm. They looked a little loose, but um, but otherwise, I actually didn't think they were that bad. Well, that's. I will say that uh, 
I've seen a few wedding episodes of sitcoms, and I believe that uh, a big a big thing that this episode did try to do was a little bit of the parody of all the stereotypes oh, yeah. of weddings. One of them being bridesmaids' dresses and um, cold feet. Yep. Uh, I will say that's also just such a remnant of its time, specifically with bridesmaids' dresses. I feel like that's not really like. Bridesmaids' dresses are a thing, but I feel like in all of the weddings I've gone to recently, which have been a lot, um, as I mentioned earlier, because um, I have a huge family, um, I've noticed the trend nowadays seems less a specific bridesmaid dress that everyone is wearing, and more of a, here's the color scheme, and like a general style find a dress that matches that. Like, like my cousin's wedding, they all of the bridesmaids were in like a burgundy sort of maroon dress that were all like floor length, but otherwise were had completely different like upper body cuts and styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they all looked super great. Like everyone could pick a dress that fit their body type and or um, or, or their own personal style as long as they were just wearing the right color. Um, so I think the, I think we're past the era of the identical bridesmaid's dress, um, which is probably for the best. And, you know, it does seem to be that, uh, with our generation and, um, Gen Z, like reaching the age where you start to get married or, you know, even like marriage itself is kind of being considered like a dated institution. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean... If that's your opinion, go for it. Uh, but the idea of like this, all the traditions that are involved with weddings that you see in a lot of '90s sitcoms and TV shows, I, the, I think those are going the way of the dinosaur. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of rejection of, which is, I mean, that's how just how these things work. So I think some of these things, traditions that we see nowadays, um, will go away in the next generation I personally can't wait to see the uh, individual introductions of all of the wedding party at the reception alongside a goofy dance I can't wait for that to die I hate it (laughs) it makes me roll my eyes so hard but that's just me personally Um, there's a very specific thing that you are not a fan of Bubby and Willow discuss the rehearsal dinner um they apparently Anya's uh, people, her demon friends, are explained away as being uh, in the circus. Um, Xander's dad uh, puked in Buffy's purse. Willow personally hasn't seen him that drunk since her bat mitzvah. Um, yikes! <laughs> yeah. Um, they. Uh, but, but they are generally excited for the big day. Anya comes in. Um, it appears Anya slept there the night before. Um, and she is just so fucking psyched. She thinks they're beautiful. I love her. Day. I love how she looks. And at first it looks like it's a look of horror. But then she just... It, it's more of just a surprise at how wonderful they look. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's just give it to her right now. Emma Caulfield, MVP of the episode. It is 
I mean, the beginning of the episode focuses more heavily on Xander and then the but perspective almost, shift. Yeah, so much of Xander's, uh, so much of the scenes in which highlights Xander, he plays it, uh, Nicholas Brendan plays it very subtle. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't do, like, the, uh, he doesn't do your normal Xander things of just, like, really freaking out or wigging out. Mm-hmm. Um, he... And even, like, that, you know, heartbreaking moment at the end is just him uh, really kind of slowly and quietly coming to terms with it. Yeah. This is Xander, especially at the end of the episode, who seems... who's broken. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He can't even come up with a quip like he normally would. Um, But, um... um, Speaking of... Xander's uh oh we do get as she's uh hugging them and she's like I'm so excited I'm getting married today ominous thunder (laughs) Uh, this episode is often very funny a lot of good laughs in this episode yeah um in a way it's a bit like tabula rasa where it's like it's really funny and then it's really not anymore Um, I mean you know same thing with once more with feeling yeah absolutely (laughs) Um, over at, uh, Xander's apartment, uh, Xander is trying to get dressed. Uh, we meet, uh, we finally meet Uncle Rory, who I think has probably had his first shout out in, like, season one. I feel like any time... Well, they've been talking about Uncle Rory, because they went to pick Uncle Rory up from the airport, Mm -hmm. uh, an episode or two ago. They did. But he's gotten shout outs before. Like, I'm pretty sure his, the tuxedo that Xander wore at the prom was his. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like anytime someone gets mentioned who is in Xander's family who isn't his parents, it's It's Uncle Uncle Rory. Rory. We also meet, um, Cousin Carol. Um. I... I loved her. So here's (laughs) the thing. It's... And I think, um... Wasn't this like a? Wasn't this how Tara referred to Amy Adams's character? Yes, cousin like, Beth. Yeah, it's like just referring to somebody as cousin. This like the cousin is a title. It's just so weird and a little creepy. It's so. It's like that is like old fashioned as hell. It's really well, and it's it's so funny you say that. You've not watched The Bear, right? Right. Okay, so. The bear is set in Chicago, and the family that it centers around, they're they're an Italian family. Mm -hmm. And actually referring to your cousins in in those two kind of specific cultures as cousin is actually very common. Except you wouldn't say, like, cousin Jason. You just say, hey, cousin. Mm -hmm. But what gets confusing is you also refer to close family friends who are you know just as much as family as cousin or you know if they're older than you like on and so watching the show it actually there were several characters who it took me a while to realize like oh they're not actually related <laughs> to <laughs> um but yes it's um yeah cousin carol the only member of xander's family aside from like her daughter who is also just there who isn't a complete nightmare <laughs> she is incredibly attracted to the demon in this scene. Well, maybe not incredibly attracted, but definitely kind of wants to see if she can get anything started. She's a single lady. She's a single mom of a certain age. She's, you know, she's got to see, she's got to sow her oats where she can, um, so to speak. Um, 
this is uh, this demon who's also staying there is uh, credited as Warty Demon. I thought like he actually had a name, um, but they kept calling him Kevin. Mm. Uh, he's Krelvin. Krelvin. Yes. Uh, oh, I see. He's. It's weird. The. It looks like the credits listed him as Warty Demon, but yeah, you're right. He's they called him, Yeah, they gave him the name Krelvin. Weird. Um, but yes, things are a bit chaotic. Um, Xander can't find his cufflinks. Um, Uncle Rory is trying to fix the, fix the coffee maker that isn't that probably isn't broken, and uh, Krelvin is trying to help him out. Yeah. And uh, Xander's parents arrive. Um, first time, as we mentioned, we are seeing them on screen. Um, Xander's dad is I mean they're both Xander's dad really comes off worse um, Xander's mom doesn't get a lot to do except just seem miserable um, the actress who plays her is very very beautiful um, I thought I I mentioned that she was giving me a netto tool mm-hmm. um, the red hair she's got mom um, energy yeah um but uh, also, I feel like I've seen the actor who played Xander's dad in something else. See, I thought that it was um, the guy who plays the like head guard on Orange Is the New Black, but it's not um, Casey Sander. Okay, I didn't recognize anything. Um, I didn't recognize anything that. Um, he was in when I looked him up, but I wonder if that other actor, Michael Harney is the guy I'm thinking of who was on Orange is the New Black. I'm wondering if he was... Well, now I know why I know him. He was Bernadette's dad in uh, Big Bang Theory. Okay. Much older. He looks much older in that than he does in this. And yeah, now that I think about it, I kind of like can link link that to a lot of um, other things. But yeah, that's, gotcha. that's probably the most... That's why his voice sounded familiar. But he didn't look familiar himself. So, yes. So, to go off of my actor I thought it was, I was sort of right. Michael Harney played Xander's father in Restless. He did have a very, very brief appearance in Xander's Nightmare. Okay. In that episode. I think right. He was at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, was, I guess I had it in my mind. I was like, oh, that actor plays Xander's dad, but not in this episode. Um, the, uh, but Mr. Harris has quite a bit of distaste for the demons, the circus folk, uh, on Anya's side, and, uh, that appears to be the common feeling, uh, on the Harris, in the Harris family, um, outside of Cousin Carol. Well, she does say if, um, if, if, um, if his skin if Kelvin can, uh, can fix his skin condition, so she's got she's got a standard. <laughs> um, outside in the rainy streets of Sunnydale, an old man ominously appears out of nowhere and walks through the streets with suspicious music playing. <laughs> uh, that's where we get to credits. Um, we are now. Firmly in the wedding, uh, we're over at um, what looks to be like a 
uh, a community center of some sort. Yeah. It um it really reminded me of this place where we held um uh my grandfather's memorial service. Um it's the Bardstown Community Center. Um I think that's what it was. Um that's also where we had the my grandmother and grandfather's fiftieth wedding anniversary several years ago. Um the kitchen in particular when Xander was in there. I was like, that kitchen is almost identical to this like It is little... very much a multi purpose sort of uh sort of venue. Yeah. Um and it's not a church. Not a church. Yeah. Um Buffy is helping Xander into his cumberbund. Um, which nice little continuity there. We did see uh, Xander complain that it fit when he picked up <laughs> Um He complained that when he picked up the tux it fit. We did see Xander and Anya both stress eating quite a bit in the last episode. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them does mention like, uh, oh, you won't fit your, you won't be able to fit into your cummerbund. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, do love Xander's. Like, what happens if I, what happens if I can't get my cummerbund on? Then people will see that horrible region where my shirt meets my pants. I can't let that happen. <laughs> uh, I personally think cummerbunds are kind of dumb. I, I tend to go for a vest when possible. I do remember uh, for your wedding, we wore vests. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like for the majority of my, uh, for our spring concerts, uh, when I was in high school with the Tiger Chorus, um, we would get tuxes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we did too at Trinity. Yeah. And, uh, I believe at least one year, maybe another year we did cummerbunds, but I feel that most of the time we did vests. I think we typically did vests as well, but I really can't remember. Yes, I have... Worn a cummerbund at least once. <laughs> I know when I graduated from Trinity because Trinity we didn't we don't do robes at the, uh, at there we do like a white tux. Um, I'm oh, interesting. Pretty sure we wore um, cummerbunds for that. Okay, I don't remember. I know I've had to wear cummerbunds at something. I think I had. I think I wore one for Jess and Paul's wedding. Okay. Um, but my my preference is a vest. I just think they look nicer. Um, Should you believe they are recently celebrating their anniversary too? Yeah, like no, that popped up in my in my time hop a week or so ago. Because and I think it's ten years. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Woo! Happy anniversary, I mean, you guys! Yeah, happy we love you. I mean, John and I are celebrating seven um, in in November in Sweden. Um, Wild. <laughs> um, the, uh, Xander, uh, Buffy is complaining to Xander that she should be, uh, uh, Anya or Willow should be helping, uh, because she is the best man. And Willow is actually complaining that she shouldn't <laughs> be wearing a dress since she's the best man. She should be wearing a tux. Uh, and I know. It, the very least from that one How I Met Your Mother episode that Alison Hannigan fucking rocks a tux. So. Oh, when they're all wearing suits uh -huh. during uh, Barney's big musical number for the 100th episode. Yep. And I say this with all due respect to Neil Patrick Harris uh, and the other men on that show, but Kobe and Allison wore those suits. I think it... Honestly, there is just something about a... Um, a woman wearing like a, a properly fitted mm -hmm. suit or tuxedo it just it works yeah. it's a good look fuck yeah um 
Buffy tells Xander, you know, she's she's had a rough time, as we've talked about <laughs> ad nauseum. But she's taken a lot of comfort in Xander and Anya's relationship. As you mentioned at the top of the episode, it's uh, been a source of stability, um, something that she can look to to know that, you know... She, she specifically says it's the light at the end of a very long, dark, and painful tunnel. Yeah. Um, so, but she's, she's very excited for them. Meanwhile, Tara and Willow are doing some serious eye flirting while uh, helping Anya into her dress. Um, I did say flirting. Um, they hadn't quite escalated to, to the next level. They were still at eye flirts. Um, Sorry, I just, I can't help but think of that uh, other eye scene from, uh, from Wedding Crashers. Oh. <laughs> the proper girl with the hat. Like that's, that line delivery by Vince Vaughn oh. is so funny. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, they are helping Anya into her dress while she's um, practicing her vows. She's just so excited. She um, she tells them she gets to marry her best friend. Um, they get her into the dress. They um, they go to you know take a proper look at her. And Willow and uh, Tara are stunned. Rightly so, because she is gorgeous. And she's still got the curlers in her hair and, yeah. like, the eye mask Yeah, on. we haven't even seen the hair yet and, like, the proper... Yeah, she... The dress is beautiful. Yeah. Um, it fits her perfectly. Like, and when I say it fits her perfectly, I do both mean the actual fit and, like... It's the style that Anya would want. Exactly. I believe it is a wedding dress that Anya would have picked out for herself. Um, she wants to go see Xander... She knows it's bad luck. Um, you know, typically I'm like, whatever, who cares? But this is the Hellmouth. Um, so <laughs> maybe it's okay to be a tad superstitious. Yeah. <laughs> or as Michael Scott would say, a little stitious. Yeah, like, you know, we, we a girl once turned whole ass invis- invisible because people didn't notice her. So <laughs> maybe we don't go see Xander before the wedding. Uh, but she does say she could just take the dress off. No sex, just cuddles. Um, but yeah, she's just fucking ecstatic. Mm-hmm. Um, Don seems to be have put seems to have been put in charge of just general guest welcoming. Uh, she meets Uncle Rory's date, who is just a poor caterer. Yeah, I and ugh. like you know, I I think it's what Uncle Rory calls a date. But it more just seems like he found somebody. Yeah, yeah, hostage. That might actually be perfect. Um, yeah, it's the like this episode seems to kind of go a bit overboard on making sure that you see that the men in Xander's family are not the healthiest yeah. mentally. Awful. And um, yeah, just gross. Um. And see, this is where I, some of my issues with the, like, we spend a, quite a bit of time with Uncle Rory and Cousin Carol and some of the demons on Anya's side, when, honestly, I do think they're good for some laughs, but the screen time would have been uh, better used uh, on Xander's parents. Yeah. Um, Xander's mom, in particular, comes across as 
very undercooked as a character. And considering how Xander's decision at the end of this episode... It revolves around the relationship between his mom and his dad. Yeah. And, like, we get what his dad is about. But we need to see both of them Mm -hmm. developed. And we need to see what their relationship is like. Yeah. And we need to see Xander interacting with that relationship. Mm -hmm. And this episode touches on it briefly if it doesn't go the way it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, luckily, though, Dehoffrin and Halfrick arrive. Woo! Um, I don't think we've seen Dehoffrin since season four. I think you're right. I, um, wasn't, was he in Triangle? No. Okay. No. So, I think the last time we saw him was something blue. Okay. Um, um I'm, I'm double checking. <laughs> okay. Now I so this may be a bit controversial, but even though the ending portrays or and shows like the uh, shows like to Hoffren's true feelings about everything that Anya has done since she became human, um, and is you know he he wants to make her a vengeance demon again. I do, I do like his presence and. I also think that this isn't that this still ties in with um, you know when Halfrick is just complaining about the wedding not happening and him being like oh like we need to think about Onyanka mm-hmm. Halfrick's like oh you are like uh, oh you're always like this and he says like I love all my demons equally and it's I like that it's I wouldn't necessarily call him a villainous presence but because it's more just kind of like he is a presence Mm -hmm. like he is a almost a natural force yeah and he's the one who empowers these demons to do what they do do as they do and i feel like even in her human form he has cared about her so i i like that it's a it's a strange way to say that i like the character to hoffren um and that i don't necessarily think that he's 100 percent villainous yeah so his last appearance was something blue. Okay. Um, he was mentioned in Triangle. Gotcha. Um, well, cause yeah, because, you know, you go into the history of Anya. Right. Um, I was actually shocked looking at his appearances over the course of Buffy. For a character who stands out so much, I'm going to give some of that credit to just the design of the demon. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give the other credit to Andy Umberger's performance because he's so charismatic as this character. He only makes four appearances over the course of the entire that show. That sounds right. He, he's his first appearance was in Doppelgangerland, then uh, something blue, Hell's Bells, and then he's going to appear in Selfless, um, which is, as we discussed, about Anya. But I, uh... it's amazing when you can have a character who makes so few appearances but still stands out. Yeah. So much. By the way, I mean you kind of like alluded to it, but uh, the fact that like I mean, I think the real like I love Emma Caulfield. I think the real MVP are the makeup artists oh, for this episode. Fuck yeah. Because you had to have so many demons, so many different demons, um, some that had been uh, pre-established. Like Clem. Some, yeah, like Clem, like Halfrick, like mm-hmm. Tahofren, but also others that are like, you know, you only see them through like, and you only like notice them through their prosthetics, through their makeup. And then honestly, um, uh, whatever that... Uh, one demon's name was who was behind this whole thing. He looked fantastic too. Yeah. Like it was a great design. Like and 
I, I love that. I, th- I love, again, this is like, you know, we've, we've shouted out the makeup artists before, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to shout them out again. Okay. Like, this is them having to probably go into overdrive, and uh, it, it, it really does allow for you to get the whole demons ver- like versus humans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was, I noticed on this watch, at least one other Vengeance demon there. Um, that same makeup as Halfrek, but was um, just a, a, there as a guest, which I thought was a nice detail too. Like, yeah, oh, obviously Halfrek and her are very friendly, but presumably there would be other vengeance demons that she knows who would have been there. So, um, Tahafrin does uh, give uh, Dawn his wedding present uh, for her to take to the present table. Uh, he does tell her to be careful. There are he's cut holes out so it can breathe. <laughs> uh, and a little tentacle comes out of the box. Yeah. Um, Don, you should know better than to put your face near things in Sunnydale. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and this is when uh, I get that you're only like three-ish years old now, <laughs> but you should have learned that. Not even like a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> you should have learned that. Um, Spike arrives with, uh, and I'm just quoting Dawn here, a total skank. <laughs> um, <laughs> very much in the same spirit as, uh, as Willow calling Riley's wife a bitch at the yeah. end of the last episode, the end of the last Buffy episode, which, you know, obviously, don't agree with, you should never call somebody that, but Allison Hannigan's delivery of that oh, so is good. so funny. Um, you know, Jason and I met, Jason and I had a brief discussion about Spike was ab- like absolutely crashing this wedding because why would he have gotten an invite? Buffy does say that he had every right to be yeah. there, so apparently he got an invite. Apparently, Xander didn't seem surprised when he heard Spike was there, so like, so we we came to the conclusion that Anya must have been the one to include him. Um, it might be the same thing of like. Oh, I mean, you know, he's with us all the time, so clearly yeah. he's a friend. And that might be the same conclusion that she made when she made Buffy her maid of honor. Because I will say this, I don't think Anya and Buffy are, like, the close friends that you would normally expect. So I think that in maybe in Anya's head, she's just like, oh, well, you know, I think I spend most of my time with Buffy. And uh, maybe she even su- suggested Willow being her maid of honor but um, I'm pretty sure Xander shot that down yeah. with one him wanting like Willow to be in the ceremony, but also to uh, be, you know, his on his side. But also, I don't know, like it, the the girl that you grew up with and loved being your wife's maid of honor <laughs> seems a little weird. Uh, but yeah, I, like, I, th- I think she really just says like, oh, I spend most of my time with Buffy. So she's clearly my best friend. She'll be my maid of honor. <laughs> I, lo- I do love Willow being Xander's best man. I, mean, I love it too. I mean, they're, they are each other's oldest friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just makes sense. And I love that it's eschewing some of those gender norms that, in a way that the show does often, but, you know, having a woman as the best man or man as, like, maid of honor or, you know, whichever terminology you want to use... Um, obviously more common nowadays i did it um but at this period of time not common at all 
Um, I, I do enjoy the uh, the Man of Honor and uh, Bridesman. Nice. I, I've always enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, I think my, one of my friends has told me that I will be a Bridesman. Nice. <laughs> I don't... At their wedding. Officially on our programs, we just... We didn't have titles for Mason or Grace. It was just... Everyone was just listed under wedding party. I think we always called Grace just your best Grace. We did. I was like, <laughs> that was, that was our, our unofficial term for Grace was best Grace. And uh, she was the best Grace there. <laughs> very much the best Grace pretty much I've ever met. That's right. Um, so... Uh, they... Uh, Buffy and Xander... Xander is finally ready. They go to mingle in the crowd and specifically try to keep Xander's parents out of trouble. Out of trouble. Trouble. Jesus. Are there triples in here? Why are we in so much <laughs> trouble? Um, but getting out there, Xander immediately is kind of assaulted by everyone. Well, at first it seems all right because, you know, it's and it's mostly his family yeah. saying hi, shaking his hand. Um, but then things do start to devolve when, uh, you know, people start yelling. And, uh, and of course, this old man that we saw up here earlier comes up to us and is like, I have to talk to you! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow, we have very similar old <laughs> ma- <laughs> distressed old man voices. Um, Xander's mom is mad that they've been seated in the third row, which Xander's like, it's just a, it's a mistake, whatever. Cousin Carol wants something. Uncle Roy wants something. Don comes up and says my favorite line of the episode, which is, Anya's present escaped. Xander's <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, escaped? Yeah, I kind of crawled away. <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh, this old man pulls Xander away. And uh, he... Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Before... Uh, before the old man pulls him away, this is when Xander's father starts to do a drunken toast. Mm-hmm. Um, he and you know the sad thing is is that rule number one, which he tells to Buffy, is to keep his keep Xander's mm-hmm. dad away from the bar. Yep. Rule number two is keep his mom away from the bar, which is what a sad thing to have to say at your own wedding. Like, um, well, again, it's it's. At first, it seems like it's making light of a wedding stereotype, like oh, the drunk, the drunken relative that says something inappropriate. Yeah, um, but it's obviously more important to this. Yeah. So yeah, he starts his toast basically starts to insult Anya's side of the family, quote unquote. Um, and this is when the old man uh, uh, pulls Xander away. While Buffy takes care of Xander's dad. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you want some coffee? Oh, um, and then this might be the grossest part of the uh, episode as he, he is... It's with Buffy. Yeah. He suggests they go find a room so he can show her his... And she's like, you finished that sentence. You won't have anything to show. Buffy literally just threatened to tear a man's dick off. Love it. Uh, not just a man. One of her best friend's father. Yeah. The the dick that her best friend, one of her best friends came from. Um, the old man explains to Xander that he's him from the future. Um, and it he, is kind of funny that all the things that Xander has seen being in Sunnydale, and he's it's like, like, "Oh, that's bullshit." <laughs> 
Well, I mean, if they wanted me to believe this, they they shouldn't have cast this man. Yeah, I was honestly, I would have preferred to see Nicholas Brendan or even his twin brother in old man makeup. Yeah. I guess, okay, the makeup artists were very busy. They were. And like, I get it, it's not Xander from the future, so it's fine. But like, I don't know, he just looks... Even the height difference, I'm like, you know, well, people do tend to stoop and all that, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look like him. So the old man explains that he can't marry Anya. Um, Basically, if he marries Anya, it's going to ruin everything. Uh, As proof, he pulls out a crystal ball that's full of powerful magic, and he, will... he never he never says like what it is. He just says like it's magic. It's magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lie. <laughs> uh, but he tells him that the uh, the it will not only show him the future, but it'll actually Xander will actually experience the future. Um, so we see Xander. Um, I liked the the way they did this. He's still in his wedding outfit they don't age him up even though other characters we see age up in this Um, we just see him as himself experience these quote-unquote future memories Mm -hmm. um and there's three of them the first of which sees xander uh sitting in a dirty house watching tv he's yelling for anya um they have uh two children two young children running around um a boy and a girl the girl we notice has um uh long pointy ears she's being teased by uh by her brother that she's a demon freak um anya explains that she's going to do a makeover party She's got one of those like very almost stereotypical aughts like pink outfits that you're gonna do one of those Mary Kay things. Yeah. Um, and Xander's like, I thought you hated those, and she's like, Well, we need the fucking money. You can't work, and we learn that Xander was uh, severely injured um, helping Buffy, and Anya says, Well, that didn't save her life, did it? Um, we get a, a flash forward, maybe eight to ten years. The ch- the kids are teenagers now. They're having dinner at a restaurant. Um, Xander is and, and drinking yet, heavily. Well, Xander was also drinking a beer. Yes, in yeah. the first one, and in this one, um, Anya mentions that he's uh, drinking too much wine. Yeah, um, they're teenage children are still fighting and it's been um, going on for years yeah. uh, Anya, uh, the daughter even says like when they're you know yells at Xander I know you're not my real father which I mean I, I kind of had like a, a little bit of a, a little bit of thinking about that because I mean you know Xander and Anya are both humans yeah so, so um, and we flash forward quite a bit further um they're in their kitchen it looks like the dishwashers and this like been it's been removed from the sink and looks like it's under repair um they Anya's quite old uh she shout looks, out to the makeup yeah again. so she looks a little bit like mrs Voorhees in the yeah. first friday the 13th movie yes she does good catch like i was like because when i when we're watching the scene 
all I could think of was like she looks like somebody, but I can't mm-hmm. put my finger on what. And I literally just now made the association. Nice. She just needs a blue sweater. Um, but yeah, they they're ar- still arguing. They're still having the same argument about Buffy. Um, she says, you know, she yells at Xander, saying she ruined he ruined her life. If she hadn't married him, she wouldn't have hated herself for thirty years. Um, and he yells back. He grabs a frying pan and kind of starts towards Anya with it. He swings, and then we're out of the memory. And honestly, and, that's what makes these things sting so hard is that it's not this actor that we've never seen before and like the old as mm-hmm. old Xander doing this. It's the fact that it's like current Xander saying these things that hits yeah. so hard. It's it's yeah, it's very horrifying for us to see Xander do this. And it's horrifying for Xander to experience it. Mm-hmm. And and in that way I I do think this this part of the episode is very successful at what it's trying to do. I do believe that this would shake Xander to his core. Yeah. Even when he finds out it's fake. He still experienced it. Um it's it's horrible. It's horrible. And yeah, I, I want I shout out to both uh Nicholas Brendan and Emma Caulfield for these scenes. Um Anya's line about hating myself for the last thirty years was horrible to hear. I didn't want to hear that, but it was it was very impactful. Um we do uh cut away from this uh to have uh, Buffy, she finds Spike, and they have maybe their first healthy and honest conversation with one another ever. <laughs> yeah, it's very much a, you know, Buffy calls him out, like knowing that uh, he did this to make her jealous. He brought a date to make her jealous, and, um, and you know, Spike, he admits it. Yeah, he admits it, and uh, but Buffy also says like, "Hey, it kind of hurts." And um, Spike says that he's. It's good to see her happy, mm-hmm. um, and even if it's just like happy for them. And uh, Spike kind of realizes that, like, hey, you know, I should probably just go give whoever my regards. He forgets Xander and Anya's names. Oh, I don't think he forgets. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked this scene a lot. And, you know, we've. Also, I did quote. I did like say that. Uh, well, Z- Spike didn't necessarily dress up for the occasion, but he did button up his shirt. Mm-hmm. So that's about as dressed up as he'll go. Yeah. Um, no, I, I thought this scene was it was nice between the two of them. Um, I, it it got to show off uh, Sarah and James's chemistry without being <laughs> what it's been. What it's been, and you know, a scene like this. I watch it and I go disconnected from all the other stuff. I'm like, okay, I see it. I see the spuffy thing. I see I do I do see what people like about this relationship, but I can't disconnect it from the rest of yeah, the stuff. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, you think of like granted, I don't think it's been a healthy amount of time uh, since the breakup for either of them. Yeah. But think about like and most it can only have been a few days. Yeah. Xander and Anya were just picking up wedding guests and in the last episode. But yeah, but think about when you um when you see people uh 
or when you yourself have experienced like a breakup and then you see that see that person a few months or a year later um and uh in, in sometimes the, it's not even a year. sometimes it can be longer my friend yeah no <laughs> but um but yeah like i think maybe a lot of us can relate to having just that awkward yet okay mm-hmm. sort of conversation like how are you doing how are you doing um glad things are going well for you glad things are going well for you uh so yeah i mean i that that felt that feeling felt very believable even though it's not necessarily a lot of time since the breakup happened oh yeah uh willow goes and finds xander in the aforementioned kitchen um we get a a brief callback to their ill-fated love affair in season three which I wasn't happy to be reminded of, but I did think the line was funny, where she says, like, you, me, formal wear. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, she, you know, she just offers him her well wishes, and I, I love that he hugs her, and they tell each other how much they love each other, and it's, it, you know, Willow doesn't know, but it's clear that Xander is in a bad place right now. She just chalks it up to nerves. Um, which is understandable. Like, you wouldn't walk in on your friend who's about to get married who's pacing around and be like, oh my god, your future self just showed you horrible visions of what's going to happen if you because, marry your Because fiance. that's ridiculous in Sunnydale. <laughs> <laughs> it's either that or nerves. <laughs> um, we... Get, we go to the dressing room. Anya is continuing to go over her vows. She and Tara is there for like a little bit of feedback. Uh, oh yes, Tara's who you want in your corner. I mean, Tara's always who you want in your corner. Mm-hmm. But um, I do love if she's just like I promise to love you and not obey you because that's misogynistic. And who do you think you are, a sea captain? Um, it was actually from the previous scene. Oh, was it? For- damn yeah, it. dang it. This scene this was is where she says, poodles. "Yeah." This scene was where she said. I promise to have sex with you whenever I want to. Which, Tara doesn't comment on that. She comments on sex poodle. <laughs> Tara's very... She's like, yeah, consent matters. Like, I, I, I feel like... I feel like if we were making shirts for the show, one of them would be, she comments on sex poodle. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, she tells Anya, she's like, maybe don't use the word sex poodle in your vow. And it's really... I, <laughs> the reaction shot of Emma Caulfield. She's like, really? And it it's just so good because you could see her that she she doesn't quite agree, but she like trusts Tara enough to go. I, I like I like how it just gives the feeling of like, damn it, that's the one thing that it was definitely gonna stay in there. I could fix everything else, but no, had to have sex poodle. Sex poodle was the whole foundation of this speech. Like, <laughs> Never mind, that's the quote for the shirt. <laughs> Oi, with the sex poodles already. Um, sorry, just because... The, the And this is when we get to see Anya's hair. Yes, fucking gorgeous. And, and you know, and her, the, her full makeup. Full makeup, the hair, the veil, um, which is not... It's, it's less of a veil, more just like a headpiece. Mm-hmm. But um, it The just, veil is on the taxidermied uh yeah. was it a moose or like a bull or something. it was a bull something, yeah some sort of mammal um 
I don't know why I said that. Did you say some sort of mammal? Yeah, I thought it would be like funny. mammal. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> okay, I just, just decided to say mammal in a weird way because I thought that was going to be the height of comedy, and then I said it, and I went womp womp. <laughs> well, like you didn't even give it time to settle; you just moved on from it. But because uh, <laughs> that's I why I had to. It was dumb. That's I why was, I had to check and be I like, "Wait a minute, did did you just say mammal?" I was just trying to avoid this whole. Thing. <laughs> um. No, uh, so, uh, Buffy goes to get Anya, the ceremony's about to begin, this is where Willow pulls her away, though, to tell her that Xander is gone, um, Willow goes to look for Xander, Buffy tells, uh, Anya that they have to, they, you know, they have to wait, the minister got called away to propose uh, to perform an emergency C-section, which Anya buys. Anya totally. She's. I mean, she, yeah. Xander's family may seem a little uh, silly for buying the circus, like all the demons are from the circus. But Anya seems a little silly for buying like, the the C-section. Yeah. Um, this is one of my favorite comedy moments for Sarah Michelle Gellar. I think maybe of the whole series. Where she explains that the minister is also a doctor. He's a minotaur. Not to be confused with a minotaur. He's all man, no bull. Which is... <laughs> and what's great about this is... I mean, honestly, I think this is just a, a minor bit of a plot hole. Is that Tara seems to know what's going on. Like, even though no one told her. But I just like to... And, I, in my opinion, Tara just sees what Buffy's doing, and she's a smart cookie. She's just like, fuck, where'd Xander go? <laughs> I think she's more like, well, something's up, so I guess I'll have to stall. <laughs> um, so, while they're waiting, uh, Anya decides to go over her vows one last time. Um, I'm going to read them, the, the, the final versions. And while this is going on, mm -hmm. we see uh, Xander just kind of walking the streets of Sunnydale in the rain. In the rain. Um, and this juxtaposition between her speech and this shot, is, it's really nice. Uh, but Anya says, <clears throat> I, Anya, want to marry you, Xander, because I love you and I'll always love you. Before I knew you, I was like a completely different person. Not, a, not even a person, really. And I had seen what love could do to people, and it was hurt and sadness. Alone was better. And then suddenly there was you, and you knew me, you saw me, and it was this thing. You make me feel safe and warm. So I get it now. I finally get love, Sander. I really do. Um, I love that. I think it's beautiful. I also... I don't have the exact quote here, but in an earlier version of the speech, she meant, she also has a bit where she talks about giving him her heart and trusting him to protect it, um, which is... Yeah. So, um, the, uh, the crowd starts to get a little antsy. Um, Cousin Carol's daughter is just like, I'm bored. And Cousin Carol goes, it's a wedding. We're all bored. Um, and uh, Buffy, Buffy's just like, hey, little setback. You know, everything's going to be cool. She 
does some crowd work. The, she uh, does some charade. She does some juggling. The, uh, um, I do have to mention that like the string quartet, uh, <laughs> for some reason, can't seem to figure out that Sarah like quickly running down the aisle is not the time to start the wedding march. They also seem to, don't seem to know that Sarah running back up the aisle is not the time to start the wedding exit. No. They, they also don't, later in the episode, don't know that Here Comes the Bride is not appropriate when she is walking down the aisle alone in with tears. her tears streaming down her face. Yeah. They do not know how to read the room. Yeah, but uh, no. They can only Buffy, read the music. Buffy doing charades and it being Minotaur. <laughs> <laughs> and... and Sarah Michelle Geller juggling with um Kel- with a uh, Kevlin is really really funny. It's really great. <laughs> um, there's also just a brief aside that I just love, and I, I wish we'd gotten more of it. Of some teenage demon and Dawn just having a little flirt. It's like, oh, you think your family's weird? <laughs> um, I thought that was cute. I it's it like. Dawn doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, but when she pops up, it's always fun. Um, which, she needs to be fun, because she's really been testing me recently. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we, we all knew that season six was going to be a rough Dawn patch. Yeah. Um, however, despite their, all their stalling, uh, things start to get out of hand. Anya... Uh, She's like, whatever, you know, why couldn't that lady hold it? Why did he have to leave? Uh, meaning the baby. Um, she's like, whatever, we'll just get married without the minister. Um, however, uh, she comes out uh, and learns that Xander is missing. And uh, this is, while this is happening, and Anya begins to freak out, a fight starts to break out between... Uh, both sides of the wedding party. Um, there's a little cute moment where Tara kind of is caught between a bunch of fisticuffs and Willow saves her and they, they're cutesy behind some flowers. Googly eyes. Uh, Cousin Carol tells Anya the last time she saw Xander, she points out the man he was talking to. And she Anya goes and confronts this guy and we learn that, shock, he's not really Xander from the future. He is a man that Anya cursed uh, in Chicago 1914, I think. Yeah. And he seeks revenge. And um, it seems like uh, she transported him to a dimension where he got turned into a demon. Yeah. And uh, was tortured. Yeah. And there's there's a great... First of all, I just love the idea of Anya's vengeance demon past coming back to haunt her. I think that's just a good story idea. Um, Anya has a line where she, that I also really like where she just is like, I don't remember you. Um, and you know, after a thousand years of doing that, like, yeah, um, you wouldn't, but he explains to her what he did. And he's like, it was so easy to get your fiance to abandon you. I just All he had, had to do show him with some fake memories. Yeah, and like just his nightmare ver- nightmare vision of the future. Yeah. And I'm just devastated. Like, I think that is the thing that hurts her so so much more than everything else is almost how easy it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think she's not considering the larger picture of all of it, but 
um, still, you would be devastated. Yeah. Um, so he's like, yeah, I'd like to see you cry. Now I want to hear you scream. So he attacks her. Um, Buffy, Buffy does her Buffy thing. Um, she does have to, uh, rip her dress. Rip her dress. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, Xander comes back. He, Anya explains to him it was a lie. It wasn't real. Um, Buffy and Xander kill the demon. Xander gets the kill. He gets the kill. It's his special day. It's his special day. (laughs) Um, and the crowd cheers and they stop fighting no they stop fighting briefly yeah but then they get back into it they get back into it and Anya's like everyone get your asses in the seats we're getting married um but yeah so Xander pulls her aside and he tells her you know he's he saw a future that he considers a possibility based on his own experiences with his family. And, you know, he tells her, um, she's like, you know, he just, he showed you those things to make you hate me. And this is the line that really got to me was Sandra says, it wasn't you I hated. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this is where, this is what we've been talking about. Like all of the, all of the childhood and family trauma that, Xander has been that has been alluded to throughout the series, but often used as a punchline, mm-hmm. is now um, like supposed to be taking front and center for this incredibly important moment for Xander and Anya, mm-hmm. and that's like kind of where this ending, uh, this resolution, kind of just almost comes out of nowhere. Yeah, it feels like I agree. We do get a shot of Xander's dad yelling at his mom to kind of underline that for us, but it's still not quite... Like, I get it. I get it, and I believe it, and I understand it, but I still don't think it's... The show's earned it. Right. You know? It's... It's weirdly how I feel about um, the end of Cersei and Jaime's arcs on Game of Thrones. Like, I get it. I understand it. But I disagree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I understand objectively, intellectually, thematically, all of that, that Cersei being killed by the very castle that she was doing everything in her power to keep control of. Sure. I wanted to see that bitch's head get cut off. Like... <laughs> I wanted to see Arya one of your, one of your stab fa- her. One of your favorite characters. Yeah. <laughs> no. Cersei is one of my favorite characters on Game of Thrones. I think she is one of the best villains like of the 21st century. Um, both I mean, Amy, Lena Headey's performance. Her performance is amazing. And then you get the final season where she does nothing but drink wine and glare at people. And then, yeah. She Which is this- kind of like... It's interesting because that's kind of what she's known for. But then that like, but she always was doing something as yeah. well, and then she would go drink her wine and yeah. glare. Uh, there were other things, yeah. But so it was like, did Cersei deserve Cersei the person deserve a better death? No. Did I, as a fan of this villain, deserve a better death for her? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want Cersei to live or win, but you know I want to. 
Um, <laughs> that's a whole other episode right there. Um, but that's the thing. It's like, I, I do understand why, like, certain storytelling things, like, why you do them thematically and all that. But at the same time, it's important that you're still telling a good story. Yeah, you have to, you have to have the progression that leads to the payoff. Yeah. And you can't just, like, you know, throw in, like... You can't just like prematurely end it mm-hmm. or prematurely add this resolution, which I guess is the same thing, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> and uh, then say, oh, look, we did it. We made it. It's, it's, it's got to be well thought out and it's got to be well executed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Sander leaves. Uh, Anya, these asshole musicians start playing and one of the most devastating shots of the and show. Go- that's what they're going for. They're, they oh. want the shot to be as devastating as possible, even though it's not entirely believable that these musicians would be that stupid. <laughs> um, or that their instruments would be intact after this brawl. <laughs> but yeah, they start playing the, the wedding march. As We definitely needed, like... We definitely needed, like, somebody smashing the cello. <laughs> ah. um, yeah, she walks down the aisle alone in tears. Uh... At the summer's home, Buffy, Willow, and Dawn are sitting around. Looks like they're drinking some tea, maybe some cocoa, um, something comforting. And uh, they, you know, basically they're all just in disbelief. They don't really understand. They are both, they're all pretty devastated for both Sander and Anya. Buffy said. Buffy's, yeah, Buffy is Yeah, well, well Anya says, like, I th- or, not Anya. Um, Dawn says that she thought that they were happy, and Buffy says, yeah, they were. They were the light in my end of my, at the end of my tunnel, but I guess that was a train. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, Sander checks into a motel. Uh, the AC does not work. Yeah, he looks pretty shitty. Might be the same motel Faith lived in. Um, and we end the episode with Anya. She sits alone in the dark in her wedding dress. De Hoffren offers her some comfort. Um, and he tells her, uh, you know, you, you, you were a force of vengeance, and he domesticated you. That that was an interesting word to use, domesticate. Um, and he's like, you know, the Anyanka I knew would have destroyed a man like him. And he offers her her job as a vengeance demon back, and she gives this really awesome look up to him, be like. And that's where we end Hell's Bells. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say. Like, I don't. I think the episode itself, just like it, just taken on its own, which of course you have to do in some ways when you're talking about episodic television. But it's still part of a larger arc, so it's like, how do you balance that? Like, I do think the episode itself is strong. Um, it's funny in a lot of places. Um, it's very moving in several places. I think we could have, I think we should have spent more time with Xander's parents um, and him interacting with them and probably Anya interacting with them. I don't think Anya and his parents interact at all in the episode, which feels like a missed opportunity. Um, But, and I like where, I like the doors it opens up for the future, but I am frustrated with how we got here. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a little like, I might even be a little harsher on this episode because I was just sitting here thinking um, how shaky the, what we've been talking about this whole time, how shaky like the premise was and the means of getting to this end that I honestly could easily replace the ending with um, when Xander's talking to Anya about how like everything was um, like everything was a lie. He said all that to like make you feel bad about it. I could easily see Xander just completely doing the exact opposite of what he did Mm -hmm. and say, I mean, of course, of course that's what he did. I came back. um, I came back because, you know, I have faith in us. And I know that, like, you know, whatever weird-ass future that guy came up with, like, I, I have a feeling that we're strong enough to make it through. Because I feel like that is the... I feel like that is where they were at at the end of the last episode that we saw yeah. when they were talking about this. Absolutely. Um, the, like, this almost does, like, a complete 180 of of where Xander and Anya were at with it. Well, maybe not Anya. Anya, like, felt like strongly about this wedding and this marriage for a while now and you see that in her vows so it the fact that like you know you could just as easily have a happy ending for the two may really just makes this story feel super weak Mm -hmm. and um while there are parts of this episode that i enjoy um they're like the overall episode just seems flawed to me yeah no it's fair yeah, it, it does feel like a bit of misery for misery's sake, um, which is a common complaint of this season in particular. Yeah. And I, I mean, you you said the same thing about uh, as you were with um, yeah. just showing like oh how awesome Riley's life is compared to Buffy. Yeah, and like I agree with that complaint in some instances, as, as I've mentioned, and I do think sometimes the darkness and the uh, the bleak tone of the season is earned. Like, um, in Dead Things, I felt that episode absolutely earned how dark and upsetting it was. But, yeah. Yeah, I struggle with this one uh, for a lot of the same reasons you said. Um, but, but I, like I said, I do enjoy a lot of the meat of the episode. Um, I think it, like, the laughs, it was very funny in quite a few places. Um, and the sentimental moments worked for me really well, but... Yeah, it's just, it's, this ending is frustrating. It just isn't earned. Um, so yeah. What would you give this episode? Um, honestly, again, like I said, probably gonna be a little harsher on it. I'll give it like two community center kitchens out of five. Yeah, I'm gonna give it two and a half, uh, veiled moose bowl situations. (laughs) No bowl. Um, No bowl. (laughs) All right. We can take us out? Yeah, I guess I will. Um, got a missed call. Okay. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with yet another Buffy episode. We're doing back to back Buffy. Back to back. Um, Buffy season six, episode 17, Normal Again. Yes. Um, probably the, I'd say maybe the second most controversial Buffy episode. Um,. Oh wait, I remember what episode this is. This is the um, Insane Asylum, isn't it? Uh-huh. Okay, all right. Wow, we are in for a. It's going to be we're interesting. In for, we're in for a fun talk. I um, and like 
Also, that Smallville straight up just stole this episode mm. from them. <laughs> I say this as someone who really liked Smallville, but it's not the only episode they just straight up stole That's from That's true. Me. <laughs> but this is like one that like always stuck out to me as one-to-one. <laughs> uh, I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C-O-F-F-M-A-N. And I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at Yamajay357. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Yeah. And, you know, always go out and do something good. Uh, try to support your local public education in whatever way you can. Also, um, um, uh, you know, we had the, uh, the, horrible, uh, the horrible fires in Maui. Oh, yes, um, this of course. This past weekend. Uh, so... Um, if you can find like uh, worthy charities for the for um, helping the recovery of that like you know beautiful place, uh, like that's that'd be a good that'd be a good thing to direct your funds towards. Absolutely, right now. Um, we've highlighted them before, but direct relief is a really good one. Um, that is their whole mission is collecting funds to go directly to places ravaged by natural disasters or unnatural ones as. They are starting to become as we get into our climate crisis. Um, so, anyway, as always, go slay and be gay. Adios. Bye.